I read a story about a boy, a little boy that was covered in freckles, bright freckles all over his face and body. He and his grandmother went to the zoo one day, and they were standing in the line, a long line of kids that were waiting to get their faces painted with tiger paws by a local artist. And, And so as they waited, this little girl turned around who was in front of them and, and smirked and said, you've got so many freckles, there's no place to paint to the little boy. And his head dropped. He was so embarrassed. And the grandmother knelt next, down next to him and she said, I love your freckles. When I was a little girl, I always wanted freckles. She said, you know, I think freckles are beautiful. The boy looked up in amazement, Really? She said, of course, just name me one thing that's prettier than freckles. And the little boy thought, and then he peered into his grandmother's face, and he said softly, wrinkles. <laughs> Two things I love about that story. One, I've always hated when a person, especially a child, was emotionally bullied for things they couldn't change about themselves. Or even if they can change it, it's still no cause for being bullied, picked on. But two, the love expressed there that life is far more than appearance. It's far more than what you look like. It's even far more than what you have. It's about connection. It's about relationship. It's about having a powerful impact on others. You see, we live in a world uh, where women particularly are evaluated based on how pretty they are, how sexy they are, how thin they are, how popular they are, or how much skin they show. And that's not what matters in life. What matters in life is the impact that we have on others. And especially as we talk about home life As we talk about today, and I'm specifically talking about moms that can have a lasting impact, but I think the principles from the Bible, just like I was just talking about, they apply to all of us. Are we going to be concerned about appearance? Are we going to be concerned about things that will not last? Are we going to be concerned about the impact, the relationships that we have, the impact that we have on others around us? And I say, as I specifically talk to mothers today, uh, you have an amazing ability to have a lasting impact, a significant impact on those people, those little people in your house. Or even if your kids are grown and they, you look up to them, you still can have an amazing impact. With or without male influence, you can have an amazing impact. And, and we want to think about that today. We want to pull out some principles of how to have a limp, lasting impact And as I think you'll see, these apply to moms, but they also apply to all of us. Let me first tell you a story. There's a woman named Lois, and she had a daughter named Eunice. And Eunice, as she taught the scriptures, she raised in her faith. And Eunice grew up and and apparently was an obedient and dutiful daughter. She learned about the faith, but as so often happens, when she got old enough to have a relationship of her own, uh, a boy caught her eye who was not of her faith, who didn't believe. In fact, he was a boy who came from a culture that believed in wisdom and believed in, in humanism 
and philosophy. And as the heart does, she wanted that boy and she got married to him. A couple years later, they had a little boy named Timothy. A little boy named Timothy. And, and so it appears that the mother and the grandmother, Lois and Eunice, taught Timothy and taught him well. They taught him as he grew to love God, to obey God. But then a man came to their town. A man came to their town and talked about Jesus. And they heard how he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, the Messiah who was promised to come, and they believed. And their son and grandson also believed, Timothy. And so we read words like these, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. But we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. Now that's Paul talking, Paul writing, and he's saying, as we came to teach you and evangelize you, to give you the good news of Jesus, as we came, we modeled a mother's love. We modeled a mother's nurture. Uh, Moms and grandmothers uh, caring for, nurturing others, connecting with others. He says that. And God also has that quality. His servants also have that quality. But what's the purpose? We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. What he's saying there is uh, that in this understanding that we have of the choices we have, we can't do it all. We can't make uh, everything happen. Uh, The choice that Paul made, the choice that uh, those who believe in Jesus can and should make is to do that same thing. It's to have this kind of impact, this care, this connection with others. With all that said, we're going to look at some verses from Timothy's life. Maybe you've realized Timothy is actually in the Bible. There are two letters written to Timothy, first and second Timothy, and they tell us how his life kind of played out. He became a minister. He became a a vocational servant of God, planting and growing churches. And he has for us uh, some insights into the role that his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, played in his faith. How they made a lasting impact on him, which then he uh, took and made a significant impact for the kingdom as he ministered and planted and grew churches. So, three principles I want to share with you today. Impactful moms, first, model a respect for the scriptures. I purposely use the verb model in that model can be to model clothes, to model makeup, and and to model uh, hairdos. It also uh, certainly can be uh, uh, the values that a person models, the lifestyle choices that a person makes, the things that a person does to show their care and concern for others. Impactful moms first model a respect for the scriptures. From 2 Timothy chapter 3. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I purposely start with verse 12. Instead of where we usually start is with verse 16 and 17, which we'll get to in a moment. But the reason I do that is that what he's saying is that if you follow Christ, that there will be difficult choices and all everybody won't like it sometimes that will cause you personal hardship who of us 
uh, grew up in middle school and high school didn't know that if we made a choice to do the thing God wanted us to do, if we, if we showed our Christian values, others would make fun of us. Peer pressure was a very real thing. And what this is saying, Paul writing to Timothy is, everybody who chooses to live for God will face some pressure or persecution, he says here. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. That is, they'll keep on doing their thing. And they, they will, if not punished, they, or if not rewarded, they certainly won't be punished for going along with the crowd, for doing what everybody else does. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. This is verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you get that? Those Scriptures, which you've been taught from infancy. Who taught him? Grandmother. Mother. Now, I'll tell you here, when you come to church, we don't believe in babysitting your kids. Uh, from the preschool, the early childhood center on up, uh, we have Bible lessons. We teach the Bible. Uh, we model the Bible for your children. But that is one, two, three hours a week. It has to, I think, first start at home. And it certainly started there for Timothy. And why? I think, one, because it's good for us. Two, because it prepares us for the hardships. It prepares us for the troubles and the trials that come. Having a respect, having a knowledge, having a, a, a grasp of the Scriptures is absolutely essential, I think, to having... Uh, it's the foundation for having a vibrant, passionate faith. It's essential for making the right choices as you go through life. When that boy or girl is pressuring to do something that God tells you not to do, where does that resolve, where does that learning, where does that foundation come from? It comes from the scriptures, from infancy, from uh, as old, uh, almost when he was walking, certainly when he was talking. Timothy was groomed, he was taught the Old Testament scriptures. So he was ready. When Paul came preaching about Jesus, he was ready to understand that this was the fulfillment of the Messiah. This is what we see modeled in Lois and Eunice. Uh, moms, this can be modeled in your home as well. It kind of sounds like they took serious Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, which read this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That is, let there be uh, an atmosphere. Let there be constant communication about the words of God, the truth of God. This week I started the class on how to uh, study the Bible. We had a good group, uh, but there's still room for you. Uh, I will have uh, outlines for what we did this week. If you want to start this week, Wednesday night, 6 to 7, right in here. Uh, but <clears throat> I will say to you, I talked this week a lot about how to choose the best English translation of the Bible. 
and what were the different strengths and weaknesses of the different English translations. And that makes a big difference. Four scholars were arguing over Bible translations. One said he preferred the King James Version because of its beauty and its eloquent Old English. Another said he liked the New American Standard Version for its literalism and how it moves the reader from passage to passage with confident feelings that this is accurately translated from the original text of Greek or Hebrew. The third scholar was sold on the New Living Translation for its use of contemporary phrases and idioms that capture the meaning of difficult ideas. After being quiet for a moment, the fourth scholar admitted, I have personally preferred my mother's translation. When the other scholars started laughing, he said, yes, she translated the scriptures. My mom translated each page of the Bible into life. It was the most convincing translation I've ever read. Which leads me to my second point. Impactful moms model an authentic faith. Impactful moms model an authentic faith. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy 1.5. I'm reminded, talking to Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and am persuaded now lives in you also. Sincere means unhypocritical. Sincere means authentic. It means what you see is what you get. There is no mask. There is no posturing. This is the real deal. And we see that Paul recognized it in Timothy. He recognized it and saw it. He gives us that insight in other places as well. Acts 12.12. Well, actually, excuse me. Let's not go there yet, okay? Sorry. I would say to you that uh, the, the first uh, witness to a child is the mom. And if the dad is involved, the dad. Those are the first witnesses. And that's the first place where they see what their own priorities should be. No matter what we say, I think first our kids see what's important to us by the choices that we make, by the lifestyle that we live. And what our kids will probably make as choices themselves will be heavily influenced. In fact, it is natural for a kid to want to imitate or emulate their parents. The pastor had a long conversation with somebody about becoming a Christian. When he was done, the young man said he was ready to be baptized. The pastor was curious, so he asked him, what was it I said that convinced you to become a Christian? The man said, it was nothing I ever heard you say. It was the way my mother lived. That's good to humble us pastors, right? <clears throat> As I think about that kind of faith that passes from mother to a mother to a son, from Lois to Eunice to Timothy, I'm convinced that a mother like this has to be more interested in her children know the Bible than be able to speak another language by the time they're five years old. I think she's also more interested in her children's souls than in their body or their clothes, in her children's eternal life than their success in this life, her children's relationship with Jesus more than their popularity in the world, her children's standing before God uh, before their social status, her children's spirituality than their intellectual, musical, or athletic accomplishments. I say today these words not to bring guilt or shame, 
But I do say these words for us to think about what it is that we convey to our children about what matters most. And if we're convicted in that, let's change that. Because I am convinced the thing that will matter most in your lives, in your children's lives, is your relationship with Jesus. Is how you loved him and loved people and loved to serve. I can't imagine being this kind of mom or dad without being a prayer warrior, without being praying constantly, consistently for your kids' spiritual development, for their growth, for their faith. We see examples of this in the scripture, Acts 12, 12. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, John Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying, including Mary. Also, we see this in uh, Acts 1.14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is after the crucifixion. This is the disciples gathering and waiting for what's next. They were people of prayer. Absolutely vital to be a mom who prays for your children. What's the goal for them to know Jesus? What's the next part of that uh, for them to connect to others and then to serve? The third principle, I think, for impactful moms is they model a desire to minister. They model a desire to minister. They grow their own faith, but part of that faith is to then take it out and minister, to put it into action. Acts 16, 1 through 3 says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. This is our same Timothy we've been talking about. What was he? He was a disciple. Remember, he said before he had sincere faith, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Mother was a Christian with Jewish background, father Greek, and seemingly had no we see no mention uh, in these words, these scriptures about either the father or the grandfather having a big spiritual impact on Timothy. Now, that does not say, dads, you have a free pass. Uh, get the tape from last week if you need to hear about what fathers need to be doing. Uh, but I also will say to you, moms, you can have a tremendous impact. And you can show uh, this lifestyle of service, this lifestyle of ministry. I've said many times here, not everybody's called to be vocational in their ministry, but all of us are called to minister. God's given us all at least one spiritual gift. And we see here that Timothy hears that, and Timothy's growing up straight and true, uh, but he is going to have more to do in the future. Uh, The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Next slide. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because all the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Paul wanted to take him, and we see Paul did take him on other missionary journeys. He was a disciple. Three three qualities you need for ministry. He was a disciple, a believer, someone who was seeking to follow Jesus, uh, to live for him, right? He had uh, availability. 
He also was, was ready and had a, a reputation. He, he was living the right way. Uh, so he was a disciple in name. He was a disciple in practice. And he was available. Today, I say the same to you. If you are a Christian in name, if you're a Christian in the way you're trying to live, and you're available, then God has ministry to do for you. And ministry is the natural outgrowth, the natural uh, what we become as believers. We see this in Timothy, how he grew from that point on. 1 Timothy 1-2 says this to Timothy, my true son in the faith. As he begins the letter, this is Paul writing to him, and what's he call him? My true son in the faith. That is, you're following along in my footsteps. You're ministering, you're preaching the gospel just like I have. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And then you see also Paul write in Philippians 2.20, I have no one else like him. He's talking about Timothy who will show genuine concern for your welfare. He had ministry at his heart. Ministry was what he was about. Susanna Wesley was the mother of 17. Can you imagine? 17 children. Two of her sons were named John and Charles Wesley. You've probably heard of them. They were foundational in evangelizing America and building up churches in England before they came to America. Susanna Wesley made it a habit to spend one hour each day praying for her children. One hour each day. In addition, she took a child aside for one full hour each week to discuss spiritual matters with them. No wonder that her kids served so dramatically and impactfully the kingdom. Mother in California said it had been a busy day at her house. She had 10 children and another one on the way. Every day was a little bit hectic, but this day was worse than most because her three-year-old, Lynn, was determined to follow her everywhere, right behind her. She'd do routine chores. He's right behind her. If she stopped to do something, turn around, he'd be right there. As she said to him several times patiently, son, why are you following me? Don't you want, don't you want to go play outside? Don't you want to go... Do something with the other kids? No, Mommy. I like being right in here with you. She uh, kept going, and about the fifth time, her temper was starting to rise. She was about to lose it. So she said, why are you acting this way? Is it a game? He looked up at her with sweet green eyes and said, well, Mommy, in preschool, my teacher told me to walk in Jesus' footsteps but I can't see him, so I'm walking in yours. What do our kids and grandkids want to be? Even if you don't biologically have children, or yours are grown, there's lots of kids to model for but if you do have children in your house moms and dads 
what kind of impact are you having? What are you teaching your kids about what's really important? And as I've already said, you can't change yesterday. But today is a new day. And I think the stakes are immense. Father, as we think about this, I pray today that you've taught us, you've convicted us. I pray that you'll change the flow of our lives, of our houses, of the choices we make. So easy to get caught up in in appearances and, and in stuff in popularity but all of us have this tremendous this tremendous potential to have an impact on those around us especially those littlest help us Lord to be led by you help us to show you help others to see Jesus in us especially the little ones We pray in his name. Amen.